Ambassador Gardner, is it too soon to talk about lessons learned from the war in Ukraine? Because the war is going on, but uh, I am wondering if uh, even at this point we can learn something. Uh, a lot of the lessons will become clear over time, <clears throat> excuse me, but there are some lessons we can draw already. The first main lesson is that energy security matters. You know, this is a lesson we should have learned a long time ago. When I was at Post in 2014, we knew that decisions were taking in Europe, including particularly in Germany, that were short-sighted. And today, eight years later, we realize how true that was. Energy security matters. And today, again, Europe is talking about the need for an energy union and the importance of energy diversification, not relying on one supplier. I mentioned in our session here that uh, dependence on Russia uh, for gas in Germany went up after the Crimean War. It didn't go down, it went up. The second lesson, which we should have learned, but now we are learning, is the importance of military security. Europe hadn't learned that lesson before. Um, there wasn't really an understanding of a foreign threat particularly of a Russian threat. And today, obviously, now more and more Europeans understand that there is a threat and Europe needs to spend more and better. So do you think now that uh, NATO has found a new and more important role and we must forget what uh, President Macron, if I'm not mistaken, said a few years back about a brain dead NATO? Hmm. He was trying to be provocative, of course. which was successful. And he sparked a debate. And absolutely, you're right, this conflict has revived uh, NATO, clearly given it a new lease of life, a new purpose. Uh, but beyond NATO, um, the importance of understanding that uh, freedom is not free, to use a phrase that's often used, but it's very true. Uh, unfortunately, um, the, the lesson is learned we have to pay for this. And I say unfortunately because, of course, we're all suffering still from the consequences of the pandemic. Uh, a lot of individuals and small, medium-sized enterprises have suffered the consequences of the pandemic and high energy prices. But we have to understand that um, more is at stake than just Ukrainian security. Our own security is at stake. The principle that countries cannot be invaded in the 21st century if we do not actually defend the principle of sovereignty and the free choice of people to decide their future, then we are, at, all of us, at risk. But how do you see this evolving? I mean, uh, the war has to come to an end, but we don't see that in the foreseeable future. And do you see the West or Ukraine, first of all, negotiating with Vladimir Putin? Is he someone that you can negotiate with? That's a great question. No one has the answer to that. But just a few thoughts. The first is that Europe and the EU in particular have done more than any of us would have imagined possible. I say that as someone who saw what we did together, Europe and the United States in 2014, which is rather modest, frankly. We did apply so-called economic sectoral sanctions on parts of the Russian economy, but we didn't do enough. Today, we're doing so much more. And I would argue that over the medium to long term, those sanctions are going to be effective. True, the Russian economy hasn't imploded. The ruble has recovered. 
the economy is, is doing okay, but there's no doubt in my mind that there are serious economic consequences for Russia over the medium to long term, particularly access to high technology and ability to conduct particularly more sophisticated offshore oil drilling. And Europe will be disconnected from Russia in terms of a major consumer for gas and for oil. Those are big things. Now, how is this going to end? We don't know. But the starting point must be that Ukraine must prevail in its core objective of restoring sovereignty over all of its territory, all of its territory, including um, the two provinces and, and Crimea. Now, will, will Putin negotiate? Well, he's tried, he's trying everything else. Hopefully he will not resort to nuclear, tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, I would like to think, I believe that even though he has been delusional mm -hmm. in his aims and his beliefs, that when faced with realities on the ground, a negotiation will be possible. Do you see also creating this war a lot of problems also in the European and American economies? I mean, inflation is getting worse and worse. Uh, people are getting afraid that maybe they cannot be warm in the winter time and in countries even like Germany or Italy, which they depended a lot on uh, Russian gas. Uh, do you think that maybe that can affect the way people think uh, about this war and maybe saying, uh, okay, um, we like Ukraine, we like Ukrainians, we think that they must be, they must have their own country, be independent, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, we need other things more than that. You're absolutely right. This war is not yet won. Let's be clear. I think we're being a little bit too over-optimistic. Why? First of all, because winter conditions are setting in, which makes military maneuvers more difficult. But perhaps more importantly, and you were referring to this, Putin understands that time is also on his side. Not only, but it's on his side. Because the longer this goes on, the bigger the risk that we in the EU, Europe, start disagreeing about fundamental aims. And also between the United States and Europe, there could be some serious disagreements. And you're right, people are suffering. I travel around Europe quite a bit. Italy is a country I know extremely well. I have a house there. I live in London. But uh, in Italy, many, many small and medium-sized uh, enterprises are saying, we may have to shut down. We cannot survive these prices, even though they are capped. We cannot survive these prices. Food prices are going up. Uh, a lot of people are saying, how do we pay for food and pay for our utility bills and our heating? So. Uh, you're right, longer this goes on, and if the winter is cold, which it appears it may be according to forecasts, uh, I worry. Uh, look, uh, the new Italian government has members of its coalition who clearly want to negotiate now with Russia, who clearly have been rather sympathetic to Putin, but they're not alone. There's Hungary and there are others. And even in Germany, many consumers are saying what you're just saying. Do we really want to continue suffering for a war that seems far away. And that narrative may become stronger. Now, um, I want to ask you also a question about Turkey. There have always been tensions between Greece and Turkey. We see now um, some, different, some different things about Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Uh, 
I cannot say that it reminds me a little bit of, of Putin. No, that's exaggeration. But it's not the Erdogan that we knew in the first years of his um, when he was prime minister and then when he, when he was president. Are you worried? Are you more worried today about Greek-Turkish relations? That we may have uh, a warm incident, as we say, in the Aegean, that maybe things can get out of hand Maybe because this is after the pandemic, maybe because of the war in Ukraine or, or all the, the atmosphere that we are living now. Uh, look, great question, but I'm not an expert. Um, so I'll be really brief. I hope that's not the case because despite all of the challenges that Erdogan poses, uh, Turkey clearly is a critical strategic member of the alliance. Uh, yes, he's played a rather complex role straddling both sides in this conflict. But in some instances, for example, in the export of grain uh, from Ukraine, he has played a positive role. Um, and in other ways as well, uh, we uh, have to accept um, the situation as being highly complex. And uh, I hope that we can maintain friendly relations for many reasons, including that the Mediterranean is opening up as a really critical new area for gas supplies. And to the extent that, uh, and here I'm thinking of Cyprus, uh, Cyprus, particularly, if we can together harness those new uh, areas of um, you know, offshore deposits around Cyprus and now Israel and Lebanon and so forth, this could really be uh, a key answer to energy insecurity in Europe. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ambassador. Thank you. Thank you.